0: Chapter twenty two of Yesterday Framed in Today by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twenty two Give Us Help from Trouble. The days that followed were among the hardest that the Holman family had ever borne, though each member of it tried to act as though nothing very serious had happened. The conversation, or rather the father's speech, had been cut short by the arrival of a man to see him on business. And he did not revert to the subject again until that evening just before family worship then he said that painful as it was for him to refer to the scene of the morning there was one other word that he ought to have spoken he had learned only very recently what utter shipwreck philip nelson had made of himself giving up his business and his home and following a tramp about the country it seemed incredible Yet he had taken pains to inform himself of the truth of the report. It only helped to prove how dangerous a thing it was to have to do with falsehoods of this nature. He trusted that after what he had said, no more would be necessary. Yet he felt it his duty to add that hereafter his house would be closed to Philip Nelson, and his family were to understand that he was to be treated, should they chance to meet, as a stranger whether he understood fully the blow that he was thus administering to his eldest daughter may be doubted always a reserved man with his family it had been difficult for his daughters to confide in him francis especially had been timid and reserved in his presence it comforted her now to think that he might not understand what philip nelson's friendship was to her margaret tried to be sympathetic i'm awfully sorry for you francis but i'm awfully vexed with philip it does seem to me that he might have thought of you before letting his insane folly go to such lengths it is really very surprising philip never seemed like that sort of man francis who had resolved upon silence was tempted to speech i do not quite understand what sort of man you mean you see how david feels about this matter oh i am not surprised at david his nervous system has been weakened by illness and he is in a state to be easily imposed upon temporarily he will come out of it all right if family ties are not strong enough to hold him miriam brownlee will be able to manage it i have no fears for david he has never tramped the country with the rabble and i don't believe he ever will her sister was regarding her steadily should she speak again or be silent she resolved upon speech those are not your own ideas margaret none of the words you have spoken to-night are like yourself i think you are sorry for me but believe me you cannot express that sorrow in felix masters's platitudes i would rather have one word from you than a volume from him i am not afraid for david either nor for philip both of them will do what is right and i would have neither of them do other than that there are interests far stronger than human friendships upon my word said margaret i believe you are one of them yourself she was not asked to explain what she meant and the subject was not mentioned between them again david because he could not decide what he ought to say was also silent but he went in and out from the home as usual interested himself deeply and satisfactorily in his father's business going over details with him and answering business letters in a way to make the father long for the proposed partnership moreover he believed that such would be david's decision a keen-brained young man as he evidently was could not lightly throw away such an opportunity the father firmly believed that having been firm himself he needed now only to bide his time, and all would be well. David was not like that visionary, ill-balanced young man Philip. So he advised with his son on business matters, and deferred to his judgment in a way that would have been flattering had he spoken to a mind less preoccupied with grave interests. David certainly had much to think about. Settled in regard to the matter of supreme moment, he was yet no nearer decision as to his next step than before he had written a note to miriam pledging himself to return very soon to her city and assuring her that he should have important news to communicate to her when he came the half-formed resolve to write what he had to say to her passed away by some strange freak of the heart he invariably succeeded when away from miriam in making himself believe that all she needed was a careful explanation of the entire subject to bring her into accord with the new life which he meant to live he assured himself that this could be done by word of mouth much rather than on paper so he waited with what patience he could unwilling to leave his father just then with business cares resting heavily upon him moreover would it not be well that he should positively know just what he desired his next step to be before seeing miriam as the days passed and he still did not see his way clear to leaving home he wrote long letters to miriam on almost every subject but the one that engrossed his thoughts then came a letter from a distant part of the state demanding personal attention and the father elected that david was the one to go he welcomed the duty to get quite away from everybody he knew and think out his problem alone was perhaps what he needed the first person he met after settling himself in a hotel was philip nelson is it possible that you are here he exclaimed stopping short in the street i might respond in the same manner said philip smiling you are the last person i expected to meet what does it mean David turned at once in the direction his friend had been going, and, after briefly explaining his own errand, asked with an eagerness that could not be suppressed, "'And now, for your story, are there any new developments?' "'That depends. I do not know how well you have kept posted since I last saw you. Do you know that we are all in this part of the world, and that we had to get away from the town where we last met?' "'Is he here, Philip?' had to go away why his life was in danger when it was discovered that joe andrews had been made to see the feeling against his deliverer became intense it culminated in a deliberate effort to make away with him that they did not succeed can be accounted for only on the ground that he did not choose to have it so it is well known that the country is in the hands of a few and those few are his enemies still i think they feared the people it was hardly reasonable to suppose the crowds who were receiving at his hands daily benefits could turn against him at once, though I do not think the crowd can be depended upon. It thinks one thing to-day and another to-morrow. Does it not seem incredible that a man like him should be hunted from place to place like an outlaw? David's gesture was almost one of impatience. I do not know what to think, he said. Look where your own logic leads you. If this man were what you believe him to be, how could any people, however high in power, withstand him? David, said his friend in significant tones, did you mean to say if? I thought you had reached the point where you dropped all ifs and said I know. David's sensitive face flushed, but he answered the rebuke with a smile as he said, Perhaps that is well deserved in my heart there are no ifs but i do not understand nor do i may i answer your question by a quotation he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb so he opened not his mouth do you remember those words and their connection what do they mean it is all a mystery he perfectly understands that there is a conspiracy against him knows more about it than we do and more than hints that his enemies will be successful and yet he says has said it more than once to different classes of people that he is the son of god the promised saviour of the world i heard him in a public meeting read those very words from which i have quoted and apply them to himself the people were so angry that they tried to take his life and they do not understand why he escaped them They extended their walk well into the evening. Philip had passed through many thrilling experiences since they had last met, and his story was rich. At last, in response to a question, David admitted that the time had come for decisions, and that there was a sense in which his was already made, although he did not yet know what his duty was, nor whether he ought to take any outward stand in opposition to his own family. He felt Philip's hand tremble on his arm, and there was a strange solemnity in his voice as he said, If any man love father or mother more than me, he is not worthy of me. I am quoting his words, my friend, and I heard them under circumstances that will help me to remember them. My own people have cast me off utterly. My father will not even allow me to call at his house. Practically, I am homeless and friendless, so far as my own are concerned yet there are times when I am able to rejoice even over this. I need not speak to you of Francis, you will understand without words. He could not keep his voice from trembling then, and David answered him only by a stronger pressure of his arm. There are some sorrows that cut too deep for words. They walked on in silence for several minutes, then Philip spoke again. I mean that there are times when I can almost rejoice that I am counted worthy to suffer with him. But I will not deny that the way ahead looks dark. Some of our number think those prophecies from which I have just been quoting are somewhat figurative, and are being now fulfilled, and that a little ahead there is brightness. They believe that the distrust and fear with which men high in office regard him are well founded, that he means very soon to set up his kingdom and give his faithful ones their immediate reward. But I have no such belief as that. What I have heard him say of himself does not justify it. What I see before us is trouble and unutterable sorrow for him and his. Moreover, I believe we have enemies among us. You do not mean among his professed followers? Yes, I do. We have one among us whom I utterly distrust. I had reason to in former days, and I see in him those same faults now. How can a man who is not honest in his dealings be trusted anywhere? Just what he means to do, or can do, I do not know, but he will, as of old, bear watching. You know who I mean, of course? He is our treasurer, he has abundant opportunity, and I am quite sure yields to temptation." under other circumstances than now exist i should report him to our leader but imagine me going to a man who has power to give sight to the blind and speech to the dumb yes even to raise the dead and complaining of a fellow-man he evidently knows the hearts of each one of us better than we know ourselves yet he called this man to follow him and retains him in our company this is one of the instances in which when i begin to ask myself why I get into utter confusion. When David reached his room that evening he thought that his next step was plain to him. He would seek an interview on the following morning with the man whom he had determined to call master, and ask for light as to his future course. But he was doomed to bitter disappointment. Having called as early as he thought courtesy would permit, at the address Philip had given him, he learnt that the entire company had departed at daylight. The head of the house did not even know what route they had taken, but had been told that they would not return. There was nothing for the disappointed man but to give himself fully to the business that had called him there. The usual unexpected delays occurred, and it was much later in the season than he had meant it to be, when David Holman again presented himself at the door of Miriam's home, only to learn that she was absent for the day. Her mother was profuse with explanations and regrets. Miriam had not received the note announcing his coming until that morning, and as there was a riding-party gotten up by herself, she felt compelled to go. She regretted it exceedingly, of course, and wanted to take time to write a few words of explanation, but the others were waiting, and the mother had promised to say what was necessary david concealed his disappointment as well as he could and asked when he could hope to see miriam but the answer was uncertain these moonlight evenings are so bewitching to young people the mother said smiling they are very apt to take longer for these excursions than has been planned and of course miriam cannot hurry her guests i am really afraid that you would better not plan to see her to-night "'Tomorrow morning, of course, as early as you choose to come, she will be glad to see you.' Compelled to content himself with this, it did not require much study to determine that he would try to spend his leisure evening with Mr. Rothwell. There were questions of absorbing interest that could be talked over better with him than with any other.' Having escaped from Mrs. Brownlee, and written a few lines to his mother, explaining a probable detention longer than he had supposed, he went at once out to the Rothwells. There he found trouble. Mr. Rothwell was very ill, and both sisters were absorbed in attendance upon him. They greeted David as an intimate friend, and Mrs. Simons invited him at once to the sick-room. She was anxious to know what he thought of her brother's condition. ONCE THERE IT TOOK BUT AN HOUR OR TWO FOR DAVID TO PROVE HIMSELF THE WISEST AND TENDEREST OF NURSES, AND HIS OFFER TO SPEND THE DAY AND THE NIGHT WAS GRATEFULLY ACCEPTED. BEFORE THE NIGHT FELL, MRS. SIMONS WAS SAYING BETWEEN ANXIOUS SIGHS THAT SHE DID NOT KNOW WHAT THEY COULD HAVE DONE WITHOUT HIM. HE SEEMED TO KNOW EXACTLY WHAT TO DO FOR THE SICK MAN. BY MORNING DAVID'S RESOLVE WAS TAKEN here was opportunity for him to repay some of the many kindnesses that the rothwells had shown him the character of the illness was serious and the utmost care and watchfulness would be called for both of which he felt competent to give he would remain for a few days and devote himself to the sick man when he communicated his resolve to the sisters he received mrs simons's profuse thanks and one swift look of gratitude from mary's eyes david explained that he would have to go into town to keep an engagement but would return as soon as possible he found miriam brownlee in her prettiest morning toilet delighted to see him and profuse in apologies for yesterday wasn't it dreadful she said a genuine instance of self-abnegation to tell you the truth you were to blame for it all if you were not so dreadful about keeping promises and all that sort of thing i should have broken mine and stayed at home to receive you you can imagine how much i enjoyed the day oh david it is so nice to think that you have come just at this time we have several delightful young people staying with us and no end of plans for enjoying ourselves we are going to the cascade this evening by moonlight you remember the cascade i hope i shall be delighted to show it to you again your being here gives me just the opportunity I wanted to include my sister Anna in the party we were to ride in couples and were short of gentlemen and we have the most charming picnic planned for to morrow we shall go in single carriages out to Glen Avon a long drive, you know and a picnic dinner with a lawn dance afterwards by moonlight won't that be lovely? It is an especially full week on account of these friends of mine, who are to be here but a short time, but we can manage to see a great deal of each other at the same time. I am sure you will enjoy it. You have been a hermit for so long that I am charmed with the idea of putting you back where you belong. You have come to stay the entire week, haven't you? End of chapter 22